Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Do you know what the Cavs fans are calling the Darius Garland, Colin Sexton backcourt? What? Sexland. Oh, that's good. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm your host, Justin Roan. With me today is my co-host, Carter Rodriguez. Carter, how's it going, buddy? I'm sleepy, Justin. Um, I, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, this is gonna, any, any parents in the chat are uh, not gonna love this, but, uh, cause it's, it's the worst complaint of all time. Um, my daughter has gotten pretty good at sleeping at night and that's great. Um, but a byproduct of that is like, I got like four and a half hours uninterrupted last night, yeah. which was like, which any new parent will tell you, or has told me at least. It's pretty amazing. The only <laughs> problem is my body is like, that's such a long sleep that my body's like, all right, he's done. <laughs> so, you, you know, know she goes back to sleep. I don't go back to sleep. No, no, you sound like you sound like the calves uh, coming off essentially a two week long road trip. Uh, just an absolute stinker of an effort. You know what? It, this is a this is a tough podcast because I, I actually was coming in planning today. Um, You're feeling I, yourself. I, no, I had some positive topics. I, even though the, the Cavs had, have struggled a little bit lately, we're in one of those lulls of the season, as tends to happen with bad teams. I, I was ready to come in yeah, with some, some energy. Shit happened. Yeah, yeah. So, some, some Monday energy. I had some fun stats here, um, but just a rough effort from them, which I'm totally willing to throw in the trash. And the other thing that just gut punched me, and, and I just want to – address it very quickly is that video of delante west um Man. I, I, I think carter and i are in the same boat where that's uh that's a dude that uh we really liked as a player and we rooted for as a person and i really hope he gets help if you haven't seen the video don't go out and see it don't go out of your way to do it um but he's in a rough shape yeah i i really hope that there is some sort of a uh, happy resolution of this because that's that's pretty bleak, man. Yeah, um, you know, I, it's funny. Like I kind of judge 
um, how good of a Cavs fan you are based on how you feel about Delonte West. <laughs> you know what? There's there's a lot of truth to that. Like, if your first instinct when you think about him is to make jokes that you know we know are not true, um, and especially now, if you that's your instinct, then really fuck you. But um, uh, you know, if that's your first thought of Delonte, then you know I, I kind of lump you in like some kind of inferior group. Uh, cause, uh, he was just such a good and fun Cavalier to root for on teams mm-hmm. that not, weren't always super fun and always needed a little extra off the bounce juice. Like, you know, like even as things got stressful late, like Delonte always kind of showed up and like, there were just so few guys you felt like you could trust. Yeah. He, he was probably the second best player of that era. In uh, my oftentimes. At, at least he really was. And, and only real Cavs fans know that. So that's kind of why I judge that based on, on that is, you know, if you, if you really know, then you knew how good he was and, and yeah, it's just, it's just heartbreaking. Uh, you know, I'm going to, you know, I, I'm as overtired and, uh, oversensitive as I can be in this stage of life. And about brought me to tears seeing that video. It just, it's no, I, I absolutely. And, I, I mean, there, there's no graceful way to pivot, so I'm going to hard pivot with sure. a tale of three guards, Carter. Okay, One, let's do it. Mr. Darius Garland, 4 of 20, 420, trash against the Knicks. Colin Sexton, 6 of 20, trash. LaMelo Ball. I, have you heard what he has named his horse? He has a pet horse. Do you know what the horse's name is, Carter? No. The horse's name is LaMelo. Let that sink in. That is more trash than anything the Cavs guards put up on Monday night. And I, I think that alone should be grounds for not drafting him. Yeah, should I at least drop him down most people's boards. Um, <laughs> yikes, LaMelo. Um, not not man, great. what a weird family. Yeah, what very, a- very weird family. And um, then Lonzo's just there. Now, I want to get into kind of some of the other topics that I had lined up for today, and I still think they're applicable. Um, So obviously, there's been a slight change here, but now it has been 15 games since the Jordan Clarkson trade. And I think there's a few of these young guys, um, for those that subscribe to our premium feed, uh, know I do a youth report once a week. Um, I want to apologize for not doing last week um, just because a lot of things came up and it became very difficult to do that in a timely manner. But I have three guys that deserve a lot of credit right now. The first is Colin Sexton. Over the last 15 games since the Jordan Clarkson trade, he is averaging 22.1 points per game. And this is including tonight, keep in mind. Uh, Shooting 46% from the field, 42% from three. Um, And his true shooting percentage, let me get this up. It is. Elevator music cue. No kidding. You you hate to see it. I thought I had it queued up, but now we're doing my favorite segment, which is Justin looks up the internet. 54.6%. Perfectly respectable. You know what? Like that is a decent amount of time here where yes, he has flaws and I, I don't think we have to go over it a million times, but that is a significant amount of points to score at a pretty efficient rate. He's shooting threes again, which, which I love to see. Whether or not they go in, if he's going to be an effective combo guard, he needs to keep I taking to take those them. Yeah. Yep. 
Um, he's, he's a career 38% shooter from deep. And I, I think that's probably, he's probably 36 to 38% is what I'd have to guess. That's what his actual skill is. He just um, can't be 32. Right, right. Which he's already dragged his uh, season percentage up to uh, over 34%. So um, I, I think Colin Sexton needs a little bit more credit than he's been receiving lately. I mean, I feel like everyone's been giving him, uh, you know, I mean, sure, there's always going to be complaints when he plays poorly, but I do feel like people have generally recognized that he's been good. I mean, honestly, more than anything, what you want is just to not say much about Colin Sexton. Yeah. Because, like, <laughs> cause like, what he does well, you just kind of hope that he can do. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the stuff – and if you're not talking about him, it means he's not doing the stuff that drives us crazy, which is a win and so on. And that's maybe not fair because, you know, we we give Darius Garland credit for passes he tries to make and doesn't. Yeah. Um, but mm-hmm. you know, I think that's kind of a, a lot in life that Colin has to have given his play style. You know, guys like that, feast or famine, and uh, I think that he's been playing some of the best basketball of his career, and it has coincided with an uptick in. Uh, I would love to see uh, dribbles per game over this stretch. Because it feels like Darius has the ball so much more. Yeah, I was going to say uh, that was something that I was going to look up today, and I ended up not. Um, I I do think this has been the best stretch of his career, and I I do think that he has improved. And ultimately, if he can be a combo guard, let's say his true shooting percentage is up over 55%, and his points per 36 minutes, so let's say he does have a, a reduced role where in the future he's playing 28 minutes of game off the bench or something like that if he's a good defensive player that's scoring at that rate for the time he's on the court and he's doing it efficiently that that is a very very valuable piece that that's a guy that can be a piece on a winning team and it's encouraging to to me to see that with Darius Garland playing better it's had a positive effect on Sexton and I think there's some vice versa there um, but early in the year, I felt that they were kind of taking away from each other's game. And no matter what, no matter who is the starters uh, in two years, they're still going to be playing a lot of minutes together if they're on the same team. So them learning how to play off of one another is a, a big positive. You know, what I think is a little bit funny is I actually don't think Darius has played that well uh, the last five games um, or the mm-hmm. last four, um, yeah. but they haven't. It's weird because stylistically they've been the same, though. And that's kind of what we're looking for. Um, You know, we talked about after the Denver win that we said something to the tune of, this is the way they have to play if the sex land thing is to work. Mm -hmm. And I think stylistically they're mostly still playing that way. Um, Yeah, they ran into a buzzsaw against the Lakers and Clippers, um, but they were super competitive at Memphis pretty competitive at Chicago at the end of a road trip. Um, so I don't know. There's just something stylistic that, that makes sense about them. Uh, the way when Darius is, you know, possessing the ball a lot. I mean, it's also been pretty ugly at times where, you know, you have the eight turnover game against Chicago yeah. where uh, I, I don't know, you know, it's really interesting. It's we've been so spoiled and then just had weird rookie guards Mm-hmm. like the Dion Waiters of the world or the Kyries of the world um, that were either super developed um, or super raw that 
Darius's um, turnovers, I think, are something I wanted to talk about. I know we're pivoting off of Sexton a little bit, but nope, that's fine. I, uh, hey, we it, we got to we got to move through this stuff because yeah, uh, we we we've got some ground to cover here. So yeah, yes. it's just it's just interesting watching a point guard get to figure it out how to play point guard in real time because Kyrie was already like this own unique thing. Uh, he was just so unique, and then Dion was just like just pure Dion, and then Colin is like you know has blinders on. So, like, watching a guy who's not a natural playmaker, or at least hasn't done it a lot, Mm -hmm. like, figuring it out at the NBA level is kind of interesting. And, like, that's why, like, every now and again, you'll just have an eight-turnover clunker where he he just keeps turning it over because he can't figure it out. (laughs) Um, It's just kind of fun in its own weird way. Like, I know it's not fun to watch in the moment, watching him blow a game against Chicago because he turns it over on three straight possessions. But, like, the – it's just something we haven't gotten to see in a while, I guess. No, it, it is interesting. And, um, I mean, this was a bad turnover week for Garland. Uh, we were coming off basically two, three weeks of him having a uh, assist-to-turnover ratio above two, which was really, really encouraging. And it was funny because the last two games prior to this next game, uh, so Grizzlies and Bulls, I wasn't able to watch live because I was down in Minneapolis and my international league class, pass has a blackout because it's a Canadian one and those rules are dumb. Um, but one thing I noticed watching the the box scores and then I went back, watched both games last night. That was, so I'm, I'm pretty, I've had a lot of bad Cavs basketball uh, rammed into my eyes, clockwork orange style in the last yeah, 48 not, hours. Yeah. Who's never going to do that for this podcast. <laughs> Could it I be you? Perhaps. Perhaps a younger version of me, but not this version. <laughs> well, that's what I'm here for, man. But Thanks, one thing Brad. I noticed, one thing I noticed, and the research that I did for the youth report actually backed this up as well, was in the first half of the four games they played last week, Darius Garland started very strong in each of those games. He, he actually shot in the first half of those games 52% from the floor and 46% of three. And he scored nine of the basically 14 points that he scored uh, per game in those first halves. And I I think there's a few things at play there. This is the longest road trip of the season for the Cavs. Um, Two road back-to-backs where they played twice in L.A., then Memphis, Chicago. Um, Obviously, he's he's, uh, been battling a bit of a flu as well. That that was something that he was dealing with tonight against the Knicks. but with him managing a larger load recently and having more responsibility, it doesn't necessarily surprise me that in the second half of games, especially on these road back-to-backs where you're playing four games and six nights kind of thing, it doesn't surprise me that he's losing a little bit of his legs. But in my opinion, it is positive that he's struggling uh, against the the Grizzlies and the Bulls and, and failing in those opportunities. Not it's not a positive that he failed, but it's a positive that the Cavs are in close games where he's actually getting opportunities. Getting a lot of good reps. Yeah, he's getting I opportunities. That's what's fun about it. It's like you're watching him figure it out. Right, and he wasn't. A, he didn't close games before, right? It was always Jordan Clarkson out there in those final minutes. Uh, so for him to be tired, trying to overcome um, – 
just everything that that's holding him back at that point. His legs are gas. He, he's a little under the weather, um, making decisions in meaningful minutes. I think that's a big time positive and something that they can build off of. And hopefully they can stay in more games in the future so that you have more of those meaningful minutes. And it's not like it's all negative reinforcement. I mean, there is a point where too much exposure to failure can negatively affect a guy, but like we also watched him basically win them the game against Denver. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, yeah, I think yeah. he's going to succeed at, at times as well. Uh, I, this, as I mentioned that that's the longest road trip of the season and there were two back to backs in it. So that that's a shitty situation to be in. And, but those are good reps for a young guard to have. Yeah. I mean, I'm just really liking the way his play style is, is starting to shape out, uh, adding more mid rangers to his, uh, to his shot profile, which is so funny to like, be a thing that you ask for in 2020 but for him I'm cool with him uh especially given the other options on this Cavs offense sometimes mm-hmm. um and you know I just feel like you know what we what he really needs to happen that just hasn't yet is he has not quite he has not had a volcanic month from three he's had good months from three where he's like okay he's at 42 percent 43 percent on like three four attempts Mm-hmm. Um, he's starting to get a lot of attempts up. Uh, his last uh, six games, he's got nine, six, seven, five, seven, and six up. So he's he's obviously getting a lot of shots up. But we just one of these games, he's going to get up six, seven, eight. And we we talked so much at the beginning of the season about how we knew that his him turning into a dominant player it was going to come from the outside in, and. And he really hasn't established that yet. I mean, he's a good three-point shooter, but he's not one that's, like, striking terror into the defense. And once right. he gets to that level, and I'm pretty confident he can, um, that's that's when things start to get really fun. Yeah, I, I, so I think – and promise. But it gets fun when he just starts canning them Trey Young style and making them uh, – you know, making defenses really stretch out to guard him. And he's just – He's uh, inching there ever so slightly. He's just not there yet. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty hard to watch Darius Garland shoot and say, hey, that guy is I – don't, I don't know if he's a good shooter. Like, he looks like an incredibly good shooter, and I, I think those shots are going to start falling. Um, your point does make me wonder one thing, though. And uh, I was talking to Mike in a, our Discord chat earlier today, and it kind of made me think – what do you want to see from the rest of the season for Garland? Do you want him to have more kind of explosive scoring outbursts and kind of go the Kyrie direction? Or would you like to see more competence running the team where you see like these consistent 17 and seven games uh, where it's almost a little more in the Chris Paul type archetype? Obviously he, he's not going to be Chris Paul. He, he's, <laughs> I think he can be a very good point guard. I, I don't think he can be an all-time point guard like that. But do you want to see him follow that direction? Or do you want to see him go a little bit more into the uh, the gunner mode? I, I would like to see some explosive performances out of him. Um, because those, those indicate a star level that uh, an efficient 17 and 8 don't. You know, 17 yeah. and 8 is nice. I don't build around 17 and 8. Um, and it would be really really 20 though 17 and 8 is great at oh it's yeah it's great cool it's just not it's not as obvious a precursor to a superstar a defense bending superstar you know and that's That's what i'd like to see 
Yeah. And that's, I, that's I think fair. a big part of it is like, I don't think his path to stardom will ever be being a floor general. That's yeah. Uh, I think I just don't think that's that. in his. I don't think that's in his DNA. So yeah, you, end, you want would, him to be more Kemba or Dame, right? Yeah, like more and than I anything. Think, so I, I would love to see some 30, 40 point performances, um, uh, where he just kind of goes ballistic from three. Uh, and you know, I, I, you know, if you were to say he's going to finish seventeen, averaging like seventeen and eight for the rest of the year, I'm not going to be like, no, I don't want to see that. But if I had to <laughs> choose between two awesome outcomes, I, I'll choose the the big scoring outbursts. Yeah, you, you wouldn't kick that type of play out of bed for eating cookies, right? No. What the <laughs> fuck is wrong with you? I, I would like to point out, though, that Garland has been better than Kemba his rookie year so far. Just, just want to say. Uh, so Garland also in that 15-game stretch uh, since the Jordan-Clarkson trade, uh, 14.7 points per game, uh, 43% from the floor, 34% from three, which feeds into what you've been saying where you'd like to see those go down a little bit more. He's taken about six a game, uh, 4.7 assists per game, and 3.1 turnovers. Uh, one steal per game, too. How about that? He, but he still has not recorded a block in his NBA career, Carter. I think we'll be waiting a while, Justin. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, that, that might be... That might be similar to Tristan Thompson's uh, three-point shot. We're, we're, we're waiting until we're the, uh, the perfect moment for that. Do you have okay. anything else to add to Garland, or can we keep this thing moseying let's, along? Let's, let's keep this train rolling. I'm tired. I want to bring up one other guy that I, I think we've been a little bit negligent in not discussing. Do you know who that is, Carter? Is his name Jetty Osman? It's Jetty Osman. He is now up over 40% from three for the season after tonight's game. And you know what? He has been really, really damn solid this year. Um, I I think that three-point shot at this point, you can say it's fairly legitimate. Um, He had that one little lull last season where he was dealing with some back stuff, had a little bit of a lull again this year, but overall he has been really, really consistent and taking a lot of them lately. Yeah. And and he's really being aggressive looking for catch and shoot opportunities um, and fewer and fewer off the dribble. And and that's something that that's really, really kind of catching my eye and it's encouraging to me. He's not just taking them when they're open too. You know, I think that's, that's a cool, that's what you're looking for out of a shooter is a guy that, with a with a closeout coming at him, still can take and make the shot, um, and I do think that he's been making a lot of those. I mean, his last five games, uh, he made four threes, five threes, zero threes. He went over five against Memphis, four of five for, against Chicago, and then four of six against New York. I mean, uh, I still think that the D part needs to get there for Jetty. It's just not, that. and it's just like I just I don't understand why. And maybe it's just straight up physical strength, but he's 24. So I don't know if that's going to get better, but offensively, he does make a lot of sense as a role player on this team. No, absolutely. And I I think you and I both would like to see more minutes with the second unit at some point in his future. So you could use him a little bit more for playmaking reasons. Um, But that's just not feasible when this team doesn't have any small forwards other than him. Um, the defense, you see him play decent man-to-man defense at times. But even then, he just gets the shit kicked out of him. Against Sometimes, like, yeah, but yeah. Against like Marcus Morris, yeah, you kind of expect it. But even against like just regular wings, he just gets bullied a lot. 
Yeah, it, it can be hit or miss. I, I think the right way to frame it would be that he is a pretty decent uh, positional defender that has active hands in passing lanes, but he's not going to raise your defensive floor. He, he's not that type of defensive player at all, which I think is fine. Um, I, I think if who we've I seen, think it's a little disappointing. It is a little disappointing. Uh, hey, fine is not great. Like, trust me, yeah. we, it, it, for those in a relationship, you know when someone tells you, ah, it's fine, it, it's not it's not the greatest thing in the world. But for what we're paying him, if he is this type of a three-point shooter that makes smart plays off ball, gets some rebounds, I'm, I'm very, very, very content with him um, making $7 million a year or, or just yeah, shy I, of that over the next five years. It, I think the thing I'm disappointed about with the defense is I like to imagine uh, who on this Cavs team could potentially be on the next good Cavs team. And when you're thinking about good wing starters, um, they have to be able to defend. I mean, you look at like a Royce O'Neal, who is not significantly better than Jetty, but I, d- I don't, I don't know if I agree with you. I think, uh, I don't know, man. If I'm comparing it to this, the last competitive Cavs team, so this second LeBron era, I don't think Jetty is that much worse defensively than any of the the wings that we had. Like, I I think we had a stronger defensive uh, presence in the middle. Obviously, you had LeBron playing free safety. I'm talking, obviously, when they were actually trying. I, I think if you had a actual rim protector in the middle. It would uh, help. If you had guards that weren't a complete disaster defensively, if you had a power forward that was trying on defense, I, I don't think it would be as glaring. I, I think it would look similar to like what Donovan Mitchell looks like in Utah, where well, yeah, he, guys get by him, but there's defensive help all around, so you don't notice those issues as much. Well, I guess here's what it is. I think his, I think his shooting has been good. His gravity needs to be much better than it is um, to justify his defense. You know, because a guy like you know, let's say uh, Marco Bellinelli uh, has been a very useful player on playoff teams yeah. in the past. Um, but guys go flying at him like their life, like their you know their hair is on fire uh, when he's open from three. I don't really think Jetty makes people do that yet. And it, if he can get there, then the defense stops being such a concern. But mm-hmm. since he's not there yet uh, and does not command that level of respect, um, I think that's where it's a little a little messy, if that makes sense. Obviously, I like Jetty, and I, I think he's perfectly fine at the number. And as you've meant, as you've you've kind of led the charge on this, he he's not paid to be a starter in the modern NBA at seven right. million. Yeah, um, no, but. I think the reason if you're the Cavs that you sign him to that deal is you kind of hoping he gets to that good starter level. And I just don't think he's there yet. And I'm a little disappointed that it doesn't feel like he's making enough progress defensively that I would be hoping. But as we said, uh, you know, I think offensively there is promise as a shooter. It just hasn't reflected in bending defenses just yet. No, I I completely agree. And the nice thing is he's benefiting from the guards playing better. Um, yep, definitely. Actually moving the basketball, he's developing some chemistry with Darius Garland. Um, 
and him cutting down on the shots off the dribble ha- has been nice. Um, I remember the start of the season, uh, Spencer Davies was mentioning to us that he seems to be better on the like the one dribble pull-ups in transition than he was as a set shooter. The fact that he's doing well uh, on these catch and shoots and coming off of screens and firing quickly, the, those kind of Corver-esque looks, that's really good because that is something that you can replicate. And if you, you are a better version of a Cavs team, those are the type of looks you would assume he'd get. Whereas off the dribble looks, that's not that's not helpful if you're looking for a role player to play off of your better high usage guys. Yep, I, I couldn't agree more. I think his trending he's trending up offensively. I just want him to get to that next level um, if he's going to really get to where we want him to be. But he absolutely could. So um, mm-hmm. I, I, I've been pretty pleased with Jetty in the last month, and uh, he's he's really rebounded from a pretty aimless start to the season so no uh, I, I completely agree definitely definitely uh have not had much to complain about with jetty lately and that's really nice to have shout out to the young dudes man uh the Cavs are not the only people taking l's recently we have one that it makes me happy and i'm sure it's going to make you happy carter Adam Silver's proposal eats shit. It will not be put to a vote in April. The, there was not the support from the owners. Uh, Brian Windhorst talked about it today on the Hoop Collective where just anecdotally talking to players and, and coaches, none of them were really for these changes. And I am very, very happy that it seems like this will not be implemented in two seasons. I think it's pretty cool that um, the NBA Board of Governors listened up to the the latest episode of the chase down pod um and uh i think that it's really respectable that they're trying to you know take our lead on how to grow the game they 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 know what's up they they know that we are the voice of the people um which is something that uh, i it's i kind of always had the feeling that they knew that's what we were all about but it's nice to see it actually acknowledged um speaking of the voice of the people i I want to get your thoughts on this. I want to do a bit of a show meeting. We have some other questions here that I think I'm going to bump to the next podcast um, because these are lean days right now as we're waiting for the trade deadline. Um, And as you mentioned, you're tired. But I I want to do a little bit of a show meeting here on air. Um, And now I've just... People love it when you do this. I I know. I I think that it's... Feel uh, back the curtain. You, you peel back the curtain, give the people what they want. One comment we got in uh, in our menchies on uh, the Ugh. Chase Down Pot account <laughs> um, was just that they'd like to hear a little bit more uh, diverse opinions on prospects coming in the draft because um, Trevor does just a fantastic job. Um, but there is a variance, especially in this draft, where it seems like there's 15, 16 guys uh, that, that can go in the top five. And I, I'm, I'm on board with this. I, I think that that's something that we should acknowledge that uh, while we both respect and think Trevor does uh, probably one of the best jobs out there, I, I, think, I think I should be a little less uh, definitive in my draft takes when I really don't watch any of these prospects. Listen, pal, I love the idea of doing big roundtable pods, and I feel like you always are just a little lukewarm about it. Like, you say, yeah, yeah sure, and then you don't want to do it. 
So I just said, I, I still think we get two, three draft guys. It's just a casual hangout. Uh, it's a, you know, we can kind of clear out and let the draft people cook, ask some questions, facilitate the combo, uh, and, and do something a little different for once. Um, but no, no, let's just, uh, me and you just talk about sports for 30 minutes. <laughs> you know what? I, I'm, I'm with that. I'm going to, I'm going to try to do some personal growth here. I, I'm going to open myself up to the idea of a round table. Cause you're right. I, I'm lukewarm on the idea of four person podcast, but you know what? We got to give the people what they want. We got to listen to our listeners because ultimately we're, we're trying to be the, the cash show that people want we we got to give the people what they want so um we want to do a draft podcast soon send your questions in to chasedownpod at gmail.com if you're not already part of our discord chat uh that's one way that you can uh get some of your thoughts in there and hopefully we can relay those questions to the draft experts because carter and i are very very far from that morons (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's uh that's another way of putting it all right so i'm gonna wrap it up now this was fun i wish it was a little more fun but you know what sometimes the basketball gods do not smile on us um they they give us a turd sandwich but you know what we make the most of it so uh thank you to carter thank you for staying up and, and doing this podcast because I, I know it's not the most responsible it's not the the biggest responsibility you have in your life right now i want to thank all of our listeners as well if you want to support the podcast you can do so by leaving a rating leave a review subscribe unsubscribe resubscribe to help cook those books if you want to help us directly you can do so by subscribing to the chase down premium just 99 cents for your first month, five bucks a month after that. It's basically Patreon, but the funds are going directly to us, which we really, really do appreciate. It helps us do a bunch of cool shit. Uh, and if you want to be part of our Discord chat, uh, for those that don't know, little community, safe space where you can talk calves with um, a growing number of non-calves infiltrating it, which I don't know how I feel about but if you want to jump in there, uh, you can send a screenshot of your review to chasedownpod at gmail.com and we'll send you a link. But however you choose to support us, we really do appreciate it. So thanks again to Carter. Thanks to all our listeners. Until next time, go Cavs.